Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt, and with me today we have Eric. Hey, howdy. And we have Tracy. Good morning. And we've got Karen. Who am I last? Good morning. I mean, let me start over. We have <laughs> first, foremost, and most importantly, the mighty, <laughs> mighty queen, Karen. Okay, that was overdone. But good morning. <laughs> good morning, everybody. <laughs> oh, it's kind of good to start off with a laugh here because this has been it's been an awful, awful week. It's like the end of a horrible month. There's just been a whole lot of ugly in the world this week. And Ugh. and it's just man, it just has it's there's been times when you're like, I'm not sure I like being a human being. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it was just—it was like yesterday. I was just thinking through all this stuff. I was like, you know, this is just disgusting. But then I don't know. Something drew my eyes up, and there were some just these huge, amazing cumulus clouds up in the sky, and they were lit perfectly. And the sky behind them was like bright blue, and uh, it was just sort of a reminder to me that you know what? Not everything is awful. It's uh, there's still some beauty, and uh, we can still look for it and find it. So I would uh, summarize it as the devil is alive and well. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And humans are weak. And sometimes human nature at its worst is so gross. I Mm. mean, so gross. Yeah. But I, you know, yes, the humans follow it, but all of it can be laid at the devil's feet. All Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. So anyway, I know I think we're all our hearts and I, I, you know, Thoughts and prayers. I know some people kind of hate that phrase, but, you know, with these people that are affected and, 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 uh, you know, all the craziness going on. Well, here's, here's to that, to that point. The sad thing is, is that without giving the date of recording, how many weeks in history could this be said? (laughs) True. That's, that's the real tragedy. I mean, if Mm. this were a one-off, like, wow, we've never seen, you know, horrible human behavior like this. That would be a different thing. But what's really sad is that this is not yeah. the exception. Yeah. And this Absolutely. and God's God's been working on us trying to say, hey, hey, look up here. Look up here. I got something better for you. Um, I have higher goals for you. And I do. I think this circles back to. Do we believe that there's a God that created us? Are mm-hmm. we all created in his image? And does he have higher goals, expectations, and hopes for us? Or or are we just kind of clawing our way out of the out of the mud as tadpoles and then lizards and then, you know, flying lizards and then, you know, as the story goes, and then here we are. Right. Because if that's the la- if the latter is the case, then all's fair. Yep, all's fair. Well, not even if the latter is the case, because we're not evolving in something better. It seems like we're we're not we're moving down the chain at this point with the way we're treating you know other human beings. Absolutely, um, it's yeah. just getting to spiral yeah. control at this point. Where even last night, um, people that are demonstrating against what's going on are are getting killed too. And, you know, um, 
it is it, the lo- loss of a, a human life is I don't know if it's it's as valued anymore um, mm-hmm. and we just we need to we need we need Jesus is what we need yep absolutely yeah, yeah. yep that's the that is the only answer this is obvious the self-help plan is not working <laughs> yeah yeah well now that I've brought the brought the, brought the party down uh, <laughs> let's see if we could see if we could pick things back up here we left off last week we had just gotten through the ten commandments and we uh, you know a fairly uh, a good discussion about each one of them and their relevance and their importance and their meaning you know and how they're they're more than just what's you know what's on the surface they, they each one has you know more meaning to them and now we're going to start by finishing off chapter 20 which there's not a whole lot left there but we're going to get into a portion of scripture where when i was younger and i thought you know what i'm going to read through the bible i'm going to i'm going to read this story i'm going to find out everything that happened and it's, you know it's going to be great and about here maybe not quite here maybe a little bit after is about where my brain just started to wander and I would lose interest because all of a sudden things got less recognizable for me and it was more instructional, less narrative. But it's it's really interesting stuff when we start to look into it. So uh, as we dive into that, it'll be interesting to find all the deeper meanings here. So right after the Ten Commandments, we we hear about or we read about how the people had, and we talked about this some last week, had been below Mount Sinai and they had heard thunder and seen lightning and trumpets and all kinds of things going on. And I had speculated maybe if some of them were even hearing the voice of God as he was giving these commandments. It doesn't say that here. Uh, it sounds maybe more likely that they were witnessing power without quite knowing what was going on. Because then verse 19, they talk, they're talking to Moses and saying, you know, you talk to us because if God talks to us, we're going to die. And Moses says, don't fear. God's come to test you. And so, so that he says, so it says, fear may be for you and so that you may not sin. So this is a huge demonstration of God's power to the people so that they could uh, could or would, I guess, see something real and not just some ethereal idea that Moses had been presenting to them. Does it seem like the case to you guys? Absolutely. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Like Mm. just this, just this presentation of, of supernatural power that made them so afraid that they told their leader, don't, don't let, don't let that thing talk to us. You, you talk to us. Don't let that thing talk to us. That's, you know, I get that we all want to make God approachable and he's our Abba and we want to be able to run up and sit on his knee and we want to, you know, be like little children. Like, I get all of that, but you know what? There's a time and a place for this also. And and for these for these people coming out of Egypt, coming out of slavery, in spite of the crossing of the Red Sea, in spite of the pillar of uh, smoke and the pillar of fire, in spite of all that, they needed this to reorient them to God's divinity. And I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was too. I thought it was just a, a display of power that, that, that shook them to the core. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think this as we as we move forward, I think keeping that context in mind is really important because we it would be really easy to say why is God giving them these instructions and why are these you know having all these particulars and blah 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 why can't they just you know get together and put a you know Senate and Congress together and have the representative government and understand that every man is created free and equal and blah 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 from our perspective these people have had four hundred years or give or take of basically doing what somebody else told them. They don't have a whole lot of sense of autonomy. They don't have, I mean, they have been culturalized to not self-govern. Yeah. These, this is a, this is a clueless bunch of people who are used to just doing what they're told. And as we've seen through history, as soon as, people are removed from under the thumb of somebody else and given their own power and authority. I think of the French revolution, they become the very despots that they, that they didn't like. Mm. Yeah. And so God is, he's kind of setting the stage here saying, okay, that's you. And this is me. Everybody pay attention here. And since they've come out of centuries of superstition, I mean, they've been worshiping frogs and snakes and cows and you name it. And God is trying to separate himself, saying, I am not like that. I am a different thing entirely. And I'm with you, Matt. I mean, reading through the Bible, this is where it's kind of like as a kid, you'd ride your bike and you'd get cruising along, maybe on a path somewhere. And then you hit a big path of sand. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, (laughs) slow down. And you like almost fall. This is always it for me, too. I was just like, oh, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. I think now I approach it very differently because I've seen enough human nature and I've seen enough history to know, ah, I see why God would be saying these things. Mm, yeah. Well, the first thing, the first instruction here that God gives is about building altars. Now, we this is interesting to me because we've seen several times already where people have built altars and... <laughs> They always sounded like maybe they were very simple. And here we're, when we're given some instruction on how he wants them to build an altar, he's very specific. God is very specific about making sure that this thing is not very ornate, that they don't put a lot, they don't put a lot into it. There's not a whole lot of human effort put into this thing. He says, how does he put it? He says, uh, if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stones. For if you wield mm-hmm. your tool on it, you will profane it. Right. So this thing is, it's, it's like it's not, the effort on the part of the, of the human being in this sacrifice process is very little. Yeah. And, and also interesting, don't put it up on any steps. And he says so that your nakedness may not be exposed on it, which I don't know. There's some several connotations there. Maybe it's just literally, you know, because they probably I don't know what they wore underneath their clothing. <laughs> the kilts. Well, but, think about it. I mean, as we yeah. as we fast forward to the the uh, the golden calf, a big big part of the worship of the region. I don't know that it was so much Egypt, but certainly Canaan, where they were headed, was. Um, was basically ritual sex and mm. and it was it was a different thing like there the I mean we we've already run into the uh, which of the which of the sons of Jacob Ta- Tamar 
you know, are, oh, is she the cult prostitute? It's like mm. this was this stuff was all tied together with worship. And God is again, He's trying to separate. Like, no, 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 your habits, your culture, your thing. That's not how I do it. That and makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was very interesting how how little of the human effort is going to be put into making any kind of sacrifice to God. Obviously, it takes some some effort uh, on our part, but I take away from it that the greatest part of it is going to belong to God. A hundred percent. I came that struck me the same way, Matt. Right. Yep. No frills. No human involvement between besides. You know, placing one natural stone upon another. Well, we get into chapter 21, and right away, it gets right into a pretty difficult subject here. And it's one that gets brought up a lot when you start hearing people who want to question the validity of Scripture and the Christian or Judeo-Christian God. Because it goes right into slavery. And I thought, that how interesting is it that people have made this uh, assumption, this claim that God just kind of ignored slavery at the time and didn't, how do I want to put this? He, he, uh, he makes regulations around it instead of just, instead of just abolishing it. And I've kind of wondered why, why not just say, don't do it. And I, I guess I don't have a great answer for that other than it was so prevalent at the time and trying to, as I've heard before, it's hard. You can't unscramble scrambled eggs. <laughs> I, I, actually, <clears throat> I actually came up with a possibility as I was reading through this. There was one place where it talked about um, if a person owes money, they should pay it back. If they need to make restitution, they should, they should pay it. If they, if they don't have anything to pay, then they should sell themselves to do it, right? And mm -hmm. so I ended up kind of thinking... That in in societies, there's always people who who don't at the moment have enough to pull their own weight. And if you have the ability, if you've got a system of jubilee, right, which it talks mm -hmm. about, if you've got a system of jubilee where slavery isn't forever, it goes on for until this year and no longer, and at that point you're released, then I actually, it, it would be more like an indentured servant, right? Yes. Remember that? And, yeah. And, yeah. And so you're you're offering your services, you sell yourself voluntarily to offer your services for this long in return for that. And that isn't what we think of as slavery. Like we now from our point of view, we think of slavery as, you know, taken by force and made to do this and human rights are degraded. You know what I mean? Like it's it's different. This is, they're talking about indentured servanthood. It seems to be, because in verse 16, in 2116, it flat out says, whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Yeah, yes. that's I mean, what we think of as slavery. This, it, this work isn't done begrudgingly. It, it is an indentured servitude where it's based in jubilee, where... After you work your six years in that seventh, you're you're free to go. But then if you look in, oh, I just lost it. In five, it says that, you know what? If you love these people, you can stay. Yep. Now, you know, I think when I'm looking back at, at slavery, I don't see that very often. Nope. 
where, you know, I love what I'm doing. I'm a slave. I'm going to stay. No, it's usually it's done begrudgingly. I can't wait to leave. There's always some kind of conflict as, as we look in, you know, America's part of, of slavery. But this does not explain that. That is exactly, I think, what Karen was saying, indentured servitude, that at this point in my life, I need something that I cannot provide, but somebody else can. And what I can do is I can offer my services for this amount of time, just like with Laban. You know what? I want the I want your daughter, and I, I don't have any money. I have nothing, oh, wow. nothing to give you except never... my my physical labor, and I'm willing to do that for something that you have that I, I want. That's interesting, Tracy, because that was a seven-year period. Just well, like what shows up yeah. here again. Never tie that together. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Anyway, that's my impression of it. I don't I don't think I don't think of it as through the, the lens of modern slavery that has occurred for centuries around the world in awful stuff. I think of this as a voluntary system of meeting your own needs. And that's that's kind of what I came out of that with. Yeah. yeah. So because remember, Abraham was about was it Abraham? Yeah, he was about to give his entire inheritance to his servant Eliezer. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, oh well, I'll just give this to charity. It's like, and Eliezer was obviously in a different status of trust and esteem. A part of the than family. what than what we project onto it. He was like a Joseph. Mm -hmm. you no, know, and then I look at this too, and if you read a little farther, it says that you know you're not supposed to beat them either. You yeah. shouldn't be physical violence against them, and and if yeah. you do beat them and you kill them, then you're subject to a punishment too. Yeah, it doesn't really say what the punishment is if it's death, but you know when we look at that the awful course of slavery, you see physical violence against a slave, and I don't think it was intended to be that. I think it was supposed to be you know. You give me what I need at this point. I give you my servitude, and we work together. So, hey, here's one I want to jump into, and it's often, again, Matt, you talk about how people jump on the Bible and say this, is eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is, which if we read just, just that, um, it's the last part of 23 and 24, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. But it's very interesting that both here this is dealing with something apparently that is, is this would be an interesting thing to, to bring up if people are like, yeah, the Bible's just crude this way. This appears to be, as I read this, if you injure a pregnant woman and you cause her to abort, you are like, that's the context this is in. This isn't just about two guys fighting and one guy knocks another guy's tooth out. Right. This is about injury to a pregnant woman and causing her to miscarry. They're like, oh, really? So you 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 knock her eye out, you 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 burn her, you you uh, foot for foot or hand for hand. This is going to come down on you. Which to me, it's like if I back up on this and it's interesting when it shows up in Deuteronomy 19, when it says eye for eye, hand for hand, um, all that stuff in the context of Deuteronomy, it has to do with perjury. So if I'm lying about somebody saying, oh, that guy, he, he poked me in the eye and I, you know, that's my fault. If I am perjuring myself against him to get that other guy punished and I'm caught lying, then the punishment I was seeking against him comes on me. 
So in that con in that context in Deuteronomy, it's very specific. Just like in here, it's very specific, which seems to be saying there is a sacredness to both the woman and her unborn child. Don't mess around with that. And if you do, you are going to be held accountable. Well, speaking of women in this context of slavery, there seems to be a different standard placed towards women when it comes to slavery because a man was allowed to go free after six, six years. And that seventh year, he could go free. But it seems that a woman's slavery was more permanent. Even if, even if the master gave to his male servant a wife while he was in service, she would not be able to go with him when they when he left. I, I couldn't quite grasp why. But also, if a woman went into slavery, she just she just remains a slave. It seems. Well, remember that's un, that's unmarried. Mm -hmm. and, yes, and, and there's their whole idea of I mean the the concept of women having rights or property rights was something that was. I mean, this was this was a very slow dawn on these people. Remember, later there were the five sisters who show up uh, asking for an inheritance in Canaan later and come to Moses and say, hey, our father didn't have any brothers. Does that mean we don't get anything in Canaan? That's not fair. And it's really interesting. Moses is his first thing is like, gosh, I don't know what to do. Is it like it didn't occur to him mm -hmm. like like, well, of course you should have an inheritance. And he goes and asks God and God's like, well, yeah. These women are right. And Moses comes back. He's like, oh, well, yeah, I guess you're right. Like they were so. It was slow. People are yes. slow to come around. Yes. It was interesting, interesting to me, though, that a wife given while he was a slave couldn't go with him. Well, it was because it was, and I took that. I took that as an ownership thing. Yes. Like if the master originally owned the woman then he continued to own the woman, right? right. That's how I took it. So I, yeah. I didn't take it as a male-female thing. I took it as an ownership thing. So so in this case, if the the manservant, the, the manslave, doesn't suddenly take ownership of the woman just because he marries her. Yeah. I did mm -hmm. find it odd, though, to think that this jubilee thing could mean that he totally just walked away from wife and children and just left them for the master to take care of. It was like, oh, hey, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you know, that struck me interesting, too. But I also thought maybe that would stand to make a man think it through before he would get married in that situation. Yeah, th their worldview is so hard to get my head into. <laughs> it's... Difficult, yeah. but what, one of the things I think is really cool here that's an overarching, you know, beyond the specifics of things is, you know, versus basically the whole last half of chapter 21 could almost be summed up like, look, if you knew better and you didn't do right, you're accountable. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if your ox has a habit of doing bad things and you don't do anything about it, you're accountable. Right. If, if you you know, dig a hole and you don't take care of covering it up and somebody gets hurt or an animal gets hurt, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's this, what's really interesting and it's lacking today, I think, in society is accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, yes. there's accountability. It's like, look, you should have known better. This is not the first time this happened. And mm -hmm. because you let this happen, you're accountable. And today we've just got 
stacks and stacks and stacks of legal precedents and excuses and blah, 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 about why I'm not accountable. And God is, I mean, pretty just straightforward here. Like, if you knew better and you didn't do it, you're accountable. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on here. So we get to uh, verse 12, chapter 21. And we get into the law concerning violence. And right off the bat, God, uh, what am I trying to say? God institutes the death penalty for murder. We, today it seems like we, when I say we, I mean society, they kind of of balk at that idea that if someone kills somebody else, like premeditated, because this is very specifically talking about premeditated, you've thought about this and you've killed another person, then your life is forfeit. And our society today seems to want to back away from that idea with the idea that we can be better. Uh, I wonder I wonder if that is the best tack to take, though, because it seems here that what God is saying is don't take life lightly. Yeah, that's his goal. And I think that this this a statement like that needs to be put in the context of equitable judging. You know, because God over and over, that's a thing later on in here, he just, he, God many times says, you, okay, in 23, I'll skip ahead. You shall not fall in with a man to do evil, nor shall you bear false witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man. And, just skipping ahead is that you shall not pervert justice due to your poor. So God is saying, hey, as you're doing these judging things, you are not to be partial to the rich or to the poor. This is this is to be impartial. And as yeah, we I go like about that. as we go about administering justice, when that gets out of balance, then the idea of taking somebody else's life takes on a whole new meaning. It's like, oh, so wait a minute. If you were not applying this equitably, should we be applying it at all? And that's so, where we and get off. I, I also think, and this is a, a human foible. See, here they're dealing, they're, they live in a very close society. Their walls are made out of cloth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everybody is very, very connected there's what one to two million people in their entire society and i think that there were a lot less secrets and a lot less privacy so one of the things that i continually hear about the death penalty now is you know somebody will sit in jail for 25 years and then science will progress and they'll pull up the evidence from their case and they'll run it through the latest science And they'll be like, oh, it turns out you didn't do it. You can go now. Mm. Right? And so in a a larger society where people have privacy, that person who sat in jail for 25 years without the benefit of knowledge would have been put to death. And instead, Mm. you know, like years will go by and they'll be like, oh, yeah, no, sorry, you didn't do that. You can go now. You know, but you can give them those years back, but they still have their life. So anyway, I just, I think that, I think when society gets as large and as private and as complex as ours is now, I think it gets harder to do simple black and white justice like they were at this time, if that makes sense. Sure. It's like, it's like, 
it, it's like um, there's places in the Bible where it says it says to a woman, well, if she was raped and she didn't cry out, well, then this. But if she did cry out and, and when I would first read that, I would think, OK, what does that have to do with anything? And then at the thing, you stop to think about how their society was structured. And if she cried out, someone would hear her like that's how it is. Like someone would have heard her. Mm -hmm. So there's just I think it's a different, completely different perspective. And and I think there was a lot less unknowns when it came to, shall we say, prosecution and evidence. And I think we I would agree with that to an extent that we have progressed, but I think this is uh, like the foundational tools that just kind of breaks it down, you know, basics in simplicity and accountability and responsibility and, you know, the um, being impartial, you know, I think it's just foundational. Yeah. Yep. A lot yeah. of, a lot of principles here. Yeah. yeah we like talk it. about being foundational and being accountable, this idea of a death penalty you know, some people call, talk about that as the punishment. To me, that's the deterrent. That's you know, if, I, yes. To, if you know, yeah. if you know that that doing this forfeits your own life, you'll think twice before you do it. Hopefully, hopefully. And I think that's a. I mean, I had that as a note for the verse one in chapter twenty-two. Is this is this the idea that if a man steals an ox or donkey or sheep and he sells it, he'll pay repay five oxen for an ox? Mm -hmm. And for she, this is preventative. This isn't like, oh, if yeah. you get caught stealing a sheep, you have to give it back. It's like, dude, if you do this, it's going to cost you yeah. a lot. There and so think about it. Is that one sheep, is that is stealing one ox worth it? Because you're going to work years and years and years to pay back five oxen. You know, I think I was looking at it too as far as, as consequence. And I think like Matt, you were saying as a deterrent, I think that's where we're coming up short you know, looking at it as a country is that, you know, what, what is the, the penalty? You know, it, is it enough of a deterrent to, to stop that kind of behavior where, you know, like many moons ago, we were up in arms about caning someone, but, you know, that country has a much lower crime rate because they take that stuff very serious where, you know, you steal, you lose a, lose a hand. Where you have to really t say, is it worth it at this point? You know, and I don't know if we have that right now. Because at this point in, in, in world's history and us, we tend to glamorize that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, think about how many TV stations are, are that's their main purpose is who snapped and what did this serial killer do? And, you know, and we've glamorized it to the point where a lot of times they just sit there for 20, 30 years. It's not immediate. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of that, it, and, and it's interesting that le we have legal precedent. And I mean, for our listeners who may don't know or have forgotten, Karen has worked in the legal system for many years, and so knows these. And I think this is fascinating that that a lot of this is laying down legal precedent. You know, in twenty two two, if a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies. There will be no blood guilt for him. And we talked about in, in Genesis how God will require accountability for blood guilt, both from animals and people. Like nobody gets away without that. Here is specifically saying there is no blood guilt. But what I find fascinating is it in verse 3, but if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. So basically like if you're in your tent at night 
and somebody comes in and you swing a two by four and hit them and and they die, then it's like you're not guilty because you're just defending yourself. If it was in the daytime and you could have done something different, flipped him at the knees, and if and it, and you still killed him, then then now you're now you're you could be you could be accountable for that. And I find that really interesting that these principles, you know, are being laid down, which I'm sure in their world, you know, when they were used to, I'm I'm, I'm from what I know of history and so on, if you were of the privileged class in, in society there, you could kind of get away with anything. And God is laying down all kinds of things. And there is, I mean, he's very specific as he comes in like 23, chapter 23 and other places. Like this isn't specific to like, oh, unless you're, unless you're one of the heads of 50 or 100, this, you know, this applies to you except for those people. I mean, this is a universal thing, which was rare. Not, not the, only place in history where this shows up in the ancient world but it was by far and away the exception mm-hmm. that law would apply to everybody so just just for <clears throat> just for kicks because this is how my brain works if we use the example of a thief breaking in during the date you know when the sun has risen so you can see right the person who's being broken in on can evaluate the threat a little more clearly and they can decide better how to act, and they can see what they're doing when they act because there's light. So if we take that as an example, here is how common law, which we still practice in America, here's how common law develops. So if somebody breaks in when the sun is up and you strike them and kill them, you're accountable. Okay, but I didn't mean to kill him. Like I just, I struck out in self-defense, but I wasn't trying to kill him. Well, yes, you were. Well, no, I wasn't. Well, yes, you were. No, I wasn't. See, and it's like, and, and immediately, well, who's telling the truth and what proof do you have? And well, I can call these witnesses. Well, really? Cause I can call these, you, you see, you see how fast that can get derailed. Mm-hmm. So, so when it comes to the foundation of a system like this, it's one thing to argue the details. It's another thing to trust people's integrity, to be able to trust their actual character to where, when you ask them, did you mean to kill this person who was breaking in? And if they say no, they actually mean no. And it was now an accidental death. See? And so like our modern day legal system, like there's murder, there's, there's charges of murder. There's also charges of um, unintentional homicide. And there's, you know what I mean? There's accidental deaths that happen in traffic. Well, no, you were driving carelessly and you caused a death, but you weren't trying to cause a death. So there's all these shades, these multiple shades, and it just, it gets exhausting. Everybody wants it to just be simple. Why can't it just work, right? And and yet you get into the details of each case, and it's like, oh, oh, I get it. Okay. Mm. So it's just, it's very, very easy for that kind of stuff to go from a simple principle to very, very complex in application especially when the integrity of people can be called into question. That's it. I'm done now. (laughs) So there are a few other specific things that get pointed out. I think we've already touched on them. uh, There's some financial restitution involved for if somebody loses, basically lost time if they're not able to work, and you're the one who has made it so they can't work uh, in a fight, then you have to basically pay for their lost time. That's 
that's not uh, an uncommon thing for us today. We understand that one just fine. Punishment for killing a servant, unless they live for a couple of days, then you don't have to... Then there's no punishment, I guess. I don't know. That was odd. We talked about... We already talked about harming a pregnant woman. Uh, interesting. If you knock out your your servant's tooth or eye, uh, they get to go free. Talk about a compensation. Oh, well, okay. I guess you get to go. Uh, again, I think... Said, Personal responsibility. What yeah, it's, just, it's personal responsibility and deterrence. It's kind of like mm-hmm. this. You don't. This isn't the wild west where you get to just do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Don't just be beaten on your slaves because. And yeah, I mean, there's one thing. There's one thing that's. Uh, 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 oh, punishments. Maybe not the right word, but um, reprimand, even in a physical form, but to the point where you are crippling them for life. That's you've gone way overboard. Uh, so there's some uh, animal control laws. We talked about that a little bit. Be yeah. responsible for your animals. Like you said, if, if you have an ox that everybody knows this thing likes to charge people and go after them and uh, wants to kill people and you've done nothing about it, you are responsible for that. Did anyone else think it was absolutely hilariously weird to think that the ox was going to get stoned? Like the owner, yeah. the owner, right? The owner gets punished also, but the ox gets stoned. Like, is the ox really going to learn a lesson from this? Like, what kind of higher intellect are we attributing to an ox here? Or yeah, is this no. more? Or is this more for the for the friends and family of the victim who lost a person because of this animal? Like, is this a cathartic go get your anger out? Like, that's the creature that did it aim your anger at the correct place and just be done with it. You know what I mean? Like that was, that was such an odd little process to me. You're stoning an ox. Mm, It makes, it makes sense though. So that you're not, you're not, I mean, yes, the owner is responsible, but we are still going to value the owner's life over the animal's life because it's not the owner who did the killing. It's the animal who did it. And, uh, we don't, we don't want to place, more value on the animal than we do the person who owns it, I guess. But to Karen's to Karen's point, <clears throat> why wouldn't they just have a barbecue? Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Right. But yeah, so but Watch it does give, the lesson. It does give them the opportunity. You know, I mean, we talk about kicking puppies these days, or you know, you kick, you come home and kick the dog or whatever. You know, but it, it it's an opportunity for them to be able to take some of that uh, frustration out in a direction that doesn't involve harming a human being i guess yeah well, I, think... I thought of it i ended up thinking of it more as directing okay you're naturally going to be angry right so the ox right. kills your father cousin son whatever and you're 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 going to be angry you've lost a person and this i ended up thinking would direct your anger into the right place cleanly to where mm-hmm. it wasn't a muddled up mess later and you're walking around still angry yeah that was my only guess. No, it makes sense. Makes yeah, just yeah, it does. It makes sense. Uh, so other things, other little things, you know, like okay, we talk about if you if you dig a hole and somebody else's animal falls into it, you're responsible. If one animal harms another animal, then the owners will split the proceeds uh, from selling the the good animal. No, do they split it? There's, There's a lot of precedence there. How that. Yeah. I don't how know. that happens and who's at fault and so on. 
Yeah. I like, oh, um, they they would divide the dead ox, so they would, I assume, yeah. for for meat or whatever, and then they would sell the other one that was still alive, which was the 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 oh the, the guilty party. Yeah, the aggressor. They would sell that one, split the money. So, yeah. What were you gonna say, Karen? Um, I liked where when it was talking about animals. So this is in twenty three. It says. If you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, mm. be sure to return it. That's mm-hmm. in verse four. And then in the next verse, it says, if you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, don't leave it there. Be sure you help them with it. So in other words, don't let your human relationships get in the way of property and animal care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just because so you see. Something And, of course, you know, the animal is just considered as property. And if you see somebody else's stuff, even if you don't like that person, that's still not your stuff. Go take it to them. Yeah, or, or like in, in verse 5, like, this is someone who hates you. And mm-hmm. let's face it, like humans, we don't always, we don't like everybody. There's people that we just plain don't like. Maybe there's a reason, maybe there's not, whatever. But if you see the donkey of someone who hates you fallen down under its load, don't leave it there. Be sure you help them with it. Right. So yeah. I, I know that's like, you know, take care of the animals, take care of each other's property. Don't let whatever's going on between the humans wreck the way you care for each mm-hmm. other and each other's livelihood. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus told us to love our enemies. So I, I want to go back just a smidge. I, I think that's cool, Karen. I mean, the, the priority of, of an animal's feelings and, 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 and health is above our grudges. He's like, okay, let's get the priority straight. I think it's really, it's a thing not to be forgotten. And I think there are many people in our current culture who have forgotten this. In verse, I'm sorry, chapter 22, verses 21 uh, through and 22 and again, it shows up in 23.9. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat the widow or the fatherless child. It's, it's saying, hey, look, as soon as you gain some traction in, in contemporary parlance, that would be privilege. As soon as you get this, don't forget where you came from. And you are to be not the new oppressors like as soon as you climb out of the out of the the uh, slavery you were in Egypt don't get on your high horse and start oppressing other people because don't forget you were in this position once too mm-hmm. and that is i believe a principle that is largely forgotten it's like hey i already got mine if you show up late to the party and you want some of mine as if it's a scarcity mentality, you can't have any. Forgetting that, you know, my ancestors showed up and got a piece of whoever's pie it was before them. I think it's an important thing. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. Well, chapter two twenty two starts out with lots of different uh, instructions about basically just respecting other people's stuff other people's property people have worked for this stuff um you know our the the goods that we surround ourselves with they represent our time they represent our efforts and for somebody to come along and either take them or damage them whether on accident or on purpose 
it's it's just not wise it's not good on our part to have that attitude that that um other people's stuff doesn't belong to them or or that we have any kind of a right to their stuff i mean even to the point where if you if you borrow something and it gets damaged you're supposed to take responsibility for that um there's there's rules in there about specifically like arson you know if somebody started a fire and uh somebody's harvested crops burn you are responsible the person who started that fire is responsible oh and we talked about justified how you justify use of force if somebody's coming to steal something just because somebody's coming to steal something is not is not enough reason to to kill them like we talked about you the circumstances around it are important um so even though it's your stuff it just just doesn't give you the right flat out to uh to kill somebody if they're coming in unless you know there's a potential for other harm physical harm to be involved Mm, things like you know talks about unauthorized grazing on somebody else's property so all kinds of different property uh, property laws involved there we get into some starting at 16 some moral we call it moral and ceremonial principles some of these we've already talked about. Uh, verse 16. Verse 16 speaks very specifically to the story we've already talked about between Shechem and Dinah. That, you remember that story yeah. where it says, If a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. And that where I remember how we were talking about whether or not Dinah had been raped there or not. And it kind of seemed more likely, maybe not, that it had been a consensual issue. Um where it had been consensual, but yet because of the circumstances, they were, you know, they were not married and she was not being respected in the way that she was supposed to be. And so that, that, that was interesting to see that here. Well, that was also across cultural lines. So, like, if this had happened within the tribes, right, everybody would have known and been working from the same standards, the same expectations. This was across mm-hmm. cultural lines, too. So I think that was, I've always kind of thought that was part of the problem. Like, her, her, I don't know if they were called Israelites yet, but her brothers, her family was were, were protective of her in a, by a different standard than what Shechem had been acting under. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he was like, no, I, I, I love this girl, and this is what I want to do. Like, he did the stand-up thing by his own cultural standards, and was like, okay, now I... I really like her and this is what I want to do. And her and then her brothers were like, mm, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You know, it is interesting too how we keep talking about the rights of women at the time, but things like this keep them protected. Where even if she was even if she was consensual, it was still the responsibility of the man to try to protect her integrity. Because let's face it, it's usually the guy who who is pressing for the uh, action. Well, and in this case, the man who seduced her has the ability to make right on her honor, but so does her father. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. her father also has the right to intervene and say, and still say, no, absolutely not. You still pay the bride price, but no. Mm-hmm. So, so again, we're talking about deterrence. It's a prioritization of, action of, of like behavior 
And so if the man knows all of this in advance and he still sets out su- to seduce the virgin, right? He's, mm-hmm. You know, that, that, cha- that changes, changes, it'll probably change what he's after. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, I was in, looking in at context this, of, oh, go ahead. I was looking at this and thinking back to, you know, where we had been so far and, you know, Simeon and Levi did the same thing for their sister and they destroyed a whole town, city, village, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but they used these same principles because if you look back, he wanted to marry the sister. He wanted mm-hmm. to do what was right and it still wasn't acceptable. They still put this into to use, the protecting of her virginity and no matter if he loved her or not or thought highly of her or favorable of her, they still went and destroyed all the males in the in the town. Mm-hmm. So these were like innate kind of uh, instructions already that to me had already been in place for a while. Yes. Yeah, maybe maybe um, that, in that case of Dinah and so on, I don't know that they acted honorably because by this no. principle, they should have asked for the bride price and said, you know what? She doesn't want to marry you. Pay up. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it was. But what I was getting to is that the, the law was floating out there. Yeah, there they was something. That's why they that's why their dad was mad. It, you yeah. acted unhonorably and brought disfavor to us. Yeah, there yeah. was something going on that was below the surface. Yeah. Well, verse 18 here, it's very direct. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. That's uh, the Wicca religion is kind of big these days. And I know they take they take particular umbrage with this verse. Um, but God is kind of specific. We're not going to do that stuff. Uh, well, you know what? I don't think this is the same thing as Wicca. But no. uh, uh, no. this is there, there's a there's a lot more going on. There's a, there, I think there's more things going on here. Um, but God is just going, no, absolutely not. We are not going to go down that road at all. You're not going to do that. Because I think, you know, we're talking a whole lot of spiritualism going on, you know, spells. And, uh, well, we're eventually going to get to uh, Saul, you know, wanting to talk to the dead. Like, nope, you're not supposed to do that. So God's like, nope, we're not. We're not going to go down that path at all. And we're going to nip it in the bud right away. Uh, the ver- the next verse. This is a this is one of those things that makes me go, huh? Because a lot of times when laws get spelled out, it's because somebody's done it. Yes. And, and law ni- or verse nineteen: Whoever lies with an animal shall surely be put to death. I'm trying to mm. avoid the price. Price, come on. Okay. <laughs> you know. Yep. Can't say that that's ever been appealing, but um, apparently it had been to somebody. And nope, we're not going to do that. Verse 20, sacrificing to any other God except except for God. Death penalty. Now, now there's, a, there's, a, there's a very important thing here in 20. Is that phrase devoted to destruction. And there's a footnote in mine that says that is set apart as an offering to the Lord for destruction. Because as they went into Canaan, there were a lot of things that they were to, it was called devoted I'm doing I'm using air quotes here because that was a thing that was a specific designation that was different than an offering. It's like if you came across animals and it's it's it's, it's on a case by case basis as they enter Canaan. Can you have this these animals and the gold and the loot that you get? Sometimes yes, you can keep it. 
Sometimes this is to be an offering to God. And sometimes it is to be devoted to destruction, which is not yours to keep. Achan runs into this trouble. It is not an offering to God. It is flat out to be destroyed mm-hmm. and wiped out, and it is gone. And in this case, it's the it's the um, the last of those. So, okay, I'm curious. What does verse 20 say in the version that you're reading? Mine, Mine says utterly destroyed. Me too. The ESV says devoted to destruction with a footnote that is set apart or devoted as an offering to the Lord for destruction. So, th- but this is talking about the person who sacrifices to a God other than the Lord, right? Yeah. So that's how I would take the whoever is the one is the, that's the devoted, which means there, which is important because God says over and over and over, human sacrifice to me is abominable. You don't sacrifice a human to me. This is not a sacrifice for like an appeasement to God. This is like, it's a penalty. It's, it's a, it's a, it's fits in with all the other things we're reading about. This is a penalty for behavior. It is not an appeasement sacrifice to uh, gain you good standing. It's a punishment. All right. Well, we've talked about already mistreatment of strangers. Verse 22, God takes special notice if, uh, if you mistreat widows or orphans. We know we've talked a lot about how women are already viewed in society and child, uh, parentless children as well. If you didn't have somebody to take care of you, you didn't have a whole lot of value. Uh, but you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to mistreat them. No, and it's not a passing thing either. In, in 24 and 23, it's like, if they, if you do and they cry out to me, I'm going to hear their cry and my wrath will burn. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I will kill you with a sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. This is not some kind of like, you know, if you don't take care of the less vulnerable, it's like, man, I wish you'd do better. This is, I mean, of all the things that God has said, don't do it. This is the only one I recall so far, and the only one in the reading that we've done so far, where God is saying, I will show up and this will sting. This will hurt you more than it will hurt me. Don't charge any interest to fellow Israelites. That's kind of an interesting one. Don't be taking advantage of uh, somebody else just because they... How's the how's word? If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, so don't be taking advantage of the poor by charging them interest. He's really looking out for people who are less fortunate. Interest is just a... No same a loans. Yeah. Yeah. No loan charging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. what it's saying, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, you can loan money, but don't be expecting don't be expecting to make a profit off of them. Help them out, and uh, you know, don't don't uh, don't don't try to benefit from somebody else's misfortune. Essentially, don't keep a man's clothes if he puts up if he puts up his clothes for collateral. Make sure he gets them back. Up. That was kind of interesting. Don't you know? Don't keep a person um, down when they're when they're down. Respect for God and rulers. Uh, oh, first fruits sacrifices, twenty nine thirty. You shall not delay to offer the first of your ripe fruit produce in your juices. So basically, you know, those first fruits things that they were already talked about uh, that were going to be devoted to God. God's like, don't uh, don't dilly dally about it. Just do it. Just do it quickly. Do it now. That stuff's not yours. It's mine. And 
there's no reason to hold on to it quickly. Basically, it's just I think that's just a matter of keeping your perspective of what's more important, that stuff or God. Yeah. And then don't eat the meat of animals that have been attacked by predators. If, uh, you don't, I guess you don't. So one of those things. Do you even know where that's been? Well, that's kind of what that's all about. Yeah. No, don't eat roadkill. Yeah. You know, I don't know well, if we're going to get that's kind of That's kind of interesting because with modern day science, we know that if an animal, you know, dies in fear, if a creature dies in fear, there's this whole like adrenaline. Uh, chemical release that goes on in all of their tissues as they're dying and Mm -hmm. it's not the same thing as being slaughtered quickly for food like Mm -hmm. they die a traumatic death and that's going to actually chemically change what's in their body and then you are going to eat that Mm -hmm. it's interesting i grew up you know my dad has always been a hunter i grew up eating game meat my whole life and a lot of people would talk about how they just just really didn't like to eat game meat. And what we'd find out is a lot of times the reason they didn't like it is because of the way the meat had been handled. It had been, you know, either this the way it had been prepared in the field, the way it had been, you know, drug around, how quickly the animal had died, all those things would 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 affect would affect it. And I can imagine it being similar here where an animal has been been attacked like you say, it's just all full of adrenaline that tends to make the meat really tough. So yeah, don't don't eat that stuff. You don't know where it's been. Chapter twenty three, justice for all, is the title that I have there. And some of it is, I mean, it was like, let's see, you should not circulate a false report. Don't be a don't be a liar. Don't don't. Uh, he says, uh, do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. So so, if you want, ju- if we want justice, then we need to be truthful. And that's a, just a basic function of society is, is to be truthful. It talks about peer pressure. Don't, don't follow into the peer pressure just to, to do evil things. Uh, we talked about partiality for the poor. Don't, don't show partiality to someone because they're less fortunate uh, when you're giving a verdict because that should have no bearing. Yeah, uh, and, six is, and six is the opposite. counterbalance to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make sure you're treating treat them fairly. Yeah. Don't give them partiality, but at the same time, make sure they're being treated fairly. Just because they have less money does not put them into a different class when it comes to justice. We talked already about returning animals and helping your enemies with their animals. Uh, let's see. Verse seven. Don't kill the innocent. Keep yourself far from a false matter. Do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not justify the wicked. This, uh, you know, when we think back to the Ten Commandments in order, it says a lot of times we get translated do not kill, but really it's do not murder. And we've already, just in the few chapters we talked here about how there are times when, when killing is justified. But if somebody is innocent, there is absolutely no reason to kill that person. That is straight up, you know, it's just straight up murder. Bribery, no bribes. Um, and again, don't, don't oppress strangers because you've been in that place. Then we got law of Sabbaths. We have this seven-year cycle for farmland, not just six. You know, we don't just have the the six days of work and seven and the seventh day of rest for the people. But now we've even got a six-year cycle of working land and then letting it sit for a seventh year. And from what I understand, that's a really good 
practice because it keeps the it keeps the soil fertile. If you just let for one year, you just let whatever is going to grow on there grow on there, and then you till it under at the end of that year before you plant again. It's uh, it's really good for the soil. You know, yeah, I, so, I, okay. That, oh, go ahead. Good, good, Tracy. Um, I was looking at that, and it, I was just thinking, you know, that God provides for every aspect, even the environmental aspects to this. Where you know we look at it, and you could even say the Dust Bowl errors were because of this that they had just stripped the land so much that there was nothing more they could give. And God even built in those parameters to say that, you know what, you can grow on these fields for six years, but give them a chance to rejuvenate and, you know, replenish themselves. So even environmental standards, God takes care of. Yeah. And this, this brings up a point that, that I thought of when Karen was talking about the, the, the don't eat, you know, an, an animal that's been killed in the field thing. There are a lot of these laws that we can look at and say, wow, we can now with, with modern science or research, we can understand what the implications of them are. One comes to mind is don't eat bats. Um, <laughs> we are, you know, struggling with a uh, animal born pandemic right now that shifted to humans that we're like, oh, so that's why you said to do this. That just because we haven't figured out the why yet to all of these doesn't mean that oh, that's just the Old Testament. That's a that's some kind of crazy tradition and superstition, and you, you can't trust any of that stuff. And there are a lot of evangelicals who look at the Old Testament and say, "Oh, we're just going to get rid of all that stuff because it's just too confusing. It's just ridiculous. Let's just throw that all out." It's just and and it's to our loss that we do. You know, this idea of the Sabbath for land and festivals. I actually took a real interest in that in this reading this this last week. If you if you're if you're interested in this idea, we'll skip ahead to Leviticus 25 and 26, the whole chapters. There are big, big, serious implications for following or not following this. He says, if you in 26 in Leviticus, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commands and do them, then I will give you rains and due seasons, and your land shall increase. And there's lots of if thens. There's also, but if you don't. And this idea of the Sabbath for the land, it's interesting. As we skip forward and Israel has it, first they go through the the, uh, the judges and then they go through their kings and then they eventually go into captivity. God says, we can read it, it's a fascinating thing. He says, okay, you know what? Now the land is going to enjoy all of the Sabbaths that you didn't give it. I'm actually going to take you mm. off of the land for 70 years and the land is going to get to do what you should have done every seven years until then. Like he's <laughs> not kidding around when he says, I want you to do this and give this land rest. And I want this economic recycle. I mean, we, we won't have time to get into all this stuff, but this, this economy of uh, Sukkoth, I'm probably saying that horribly wrong. The release from debt that we get into here is it would it would reform society and and economy tremendously we would not have you 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 could not have the vast separation of the rich and the poor that we have today you could not have billionaires and people who are scraping by on nothing generation after generation you couldn't have it it's just a way more equitable system that God 
builds up here in a very specific way. And he's not doing it through taxation. It's an interesting thing. It's it just, it's a big deal. We don't have time to go into all of this, but this idea of the Sabbath for the land. And I wonder how much of these things have value, let's say just biologically, that we still don't understand. Mm-hmm. So, right. I was actually going to bring that up before before the end of today. Exactly everything you just said. And then if we extrapolate that, like a lot of this stuff, as the years go by, we're learning the science behind it. You know, eat these animals, don't eat those animals. Right. Do this, don't do that. And we're kind of learning the things that make that make sense. But what about the things that we still don't understand? Yes. Like, what about the things that come with a very specific blessing or very specific instructions? Yes. Um, and, and, and do we give those the same credence that we do the things that, that make sense to us already? And I would say, no, we don't. <laughs> and, and we should. And out of all of the things that I read this week, as I was thinking it through, that was the thing that impacted me the most was like, do I give the proper weight? Do I give equal weight and obligation on me, the created, for the things that I don't get? The things that maybe are don't come naturally to me or they're uncomfortable or they would be a stretch. And I don't get them. And so when I don't get the divine reasons, it creates a gray area in my head. Well, guess what? If I, if I follow all this correctly, what we're talking about, there actually aren't gray areas. So... If it's a self-created one, I should quit and follow follow God's word even before or even if I never understand his reasons for saying so. 100%. Well, let's um, – we're not going to get as far as we planned on going today, folks. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> we never know where these conversations are going to take us. We plan to go uh, you know, a certain length of a certain length and sometimes we go long but i think you know our conversation is uh taking us in kind of different directions that we had intended this morning and that's good that's fine um let's let's talk about these three feasts here and then we'll pick it up again next week i think so they had they had three feasts here that god was commanding them to keep one of them we've already talked about it calls it the uh, the feast of unleavened bread as we've talked about Passover and we kind of already know the implications involved with that. And, uh, for in it, you came out of Egypt so that it's, you know, it's that reminder of coming out of Egypt and it has, I think some uh, other implications for us as Christians now, even as we, uh, look, we look back on a lot of the meanings of it with the, with the lamb and the unleavened bread and all those things. We've already talked about those in a past episode. Uh, they have their Feast of Harvest. I would imagine, it says the Feast of Harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field. Uh, so I would, I would assume that this is kind of just a time to give thanks for things that they've, that they've received out of the land. And then there is the, uh, the Feast of Ingathering. I'm not sure what the difference is between Ingathering and Harvest. Because they seem to have the same idea, but I guess maybe there was different different times of harvest. Perhaps maybe there's like a like a fall harvest and a summer harvest or something. Because um, there's a time when uh, gathering 
this is the fruit of your labors from the field. But I guess there are different times of the year. We can think even oh, now there's there's different on. times for, for taking stuff in. Karen's where got it says, so so in verse 16, where it talks about this, the celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits of the crops you sow in your field. Right. Mm -hmm. So that would be like the winter wheat that is the first thing to get harvested. Okay. And that's totally different than like an end of harvest. Then it says celebrate the festival in gathering at the end of the year, right? So mm -hmm. so then like at the end of the growing season, when the latest of the late crops come in, now you've got a different festival. Okay. That's sure. the way I take that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Different times. Remember verse 18. I have a note on 18. You should not... Offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. Oh, we've already so we've already talked the implications of leavened bread versus unleavened bread. Some of it, you know, with with leavening or yeast re being representative of sin or um, sometimes of false doctrine or idolatry. Uh, so that's why unleavened bread is spe specified here. Oh, <laughs> verse nineteen is interesting to me. Uh, the end of verse nineteen. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That's that's a it's an interesting thing to point out to me. I'm not, I'm not I really don't quite know the implication of that other than one time I heard that maybe it's just a there's just sort of a uh, distastefulness about that the idea of of doing that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's there's going to be some interesting ones that show up like that that are puzzlers. And yeah, I don't mm. have the answer to that either. Yeah, it's just odd. I don't know. It's just it's kind of a strange thing Probably to bring cultural. up. Cultural. I don't know. Well, cultural or yeah, I don't know. Just the yeah, the idea of culinary cooking, <laughs> cooking, cook. I mean, because it doesn't necessarily imply you can't you can't boil it in another goat's milk. I don't know. But right. Specifically, it's mother's milk. Something something going on there. Not quite sure don't know that it matters that much to me because I don't think I've ever had baby goat boiled in milk anyway. So what <laughs> 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 of those things we probably don't need to worry too much about. I think that's going to be a good spot to stop for this week. And I think what we'll try to do next week is maybe we'll try to get up through chapter 30. We'll try to get up through chapter 30, which is not what we talked about before we started recording this morning. But um, but when we get start getting into things, we're going to get into this idea of the tabernacle, uh, sometimes also known as the sanctuary, uh, sometimes known as... Oh, there's another name. I, but, I did some research. I got some comments. All right. We're looking forward <laughs> to it. Yeah. It's going to be, it'll be an interesting, it, it, it's another deep subject. It's deeper than I think a lot of people give credit for. And there's a lot of implications there that have a lot of, are going to have a lot of deep meaning for Christians where um, yes. probably the Jewish people didn't quite understand it. But as we look back on it on hindsight, we're going to see some amazing things there. Yep. So, so I think let's, let's, let's plan on trying to get through chapter 30, I think, because... Because that's kind of that's going to be talking about that sanctuary and some of the things that happen in there. Maybe even thirty, some of thirty-one, because they're talking about building it too. So that will be our uh, that'll be our goal for next. Well, our plan for next week, and we'll just see where things go. In the meantime, we want to thank you for listening. 
Always remember, you can reach us at attbpodcast at theadventure.org. You can find us on Facebook to look for Adventure Through the Bible. Be sure that you share us. Make sure that we're getting this out. We count on you. I'm not, I have not asked for money. I don't intend to ask for money. The best way that you can help us is just to, by sharing this with other people. And make sure you subscribe so that you get us each and every week. Uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.